Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show. We got a busy Friday, so uh, buckle up. Eric Prince at the bottom of the hour. Uh, you know about Eric, a former special operator, wants to talk about these crazy mobs that are plaguing our cities from Chicago uh, to Kenosha, now to Seattle. Portland it never stops in New York City. He's got a way to suppress it. I want to find out who's behind it. I know about uh, organic protests, and then there's organized protests, and then there's what else is going on. And these anarchists outside the White House last night, if you see some of this video, you see what happened to Rand Paul. This is out of control. This is politics, Democrats or Republicans. There's no anti-black, uh, white, or anything out there. They are making more of this. I want to find out what's behind this. They got radios. They got organizations. They got uh, tactics and techniques. This has got to stop. We'll discuss that with Eric Prince, and also I want to get your take and see what you've experienced. It's part of the reason why Trump supporters will never answer a pollster and won't put anything on their car. Uh, But yet, I believe that uh, Trump is doing considerably better than anyone thinks simply because of the, 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 the manic mobs that are out there. It's just not worth it. Go into the booth, I'll be private, and that'll be it. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. And now after a moment of silence that lasted 42 seconds, the Mets are exiting the field after a poignant moment that the Mets and Marlins will not be playing baseball tonight. And a Black Lives Matter shirt left on top of home plate. All right, there you go. Uh, 42 seconds for Jackie Robinson. Uh, now there you go. Mets and Marlins the latest to protest. The sports pause. The message from baseball, soccer, and basketball is the shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha can't stand. It's too much to handle. Race and law enforcement. Intolerable situation. So they just didn't play. In your mind, is this laudable or deplorable or neither? Number two. The Republican convention is designed for one purpose. To soothe Donald Trump's ego. He's the president of the United States. And it's not supposed to be about him. Really? Thanks, Senator. Uh, Dems and their press corps respond to President President Trump's speech and his attacks on their candidate, Joe Biden. Oddly, when it came to attacking back, it was Joe's running mate, who you just heard, who took the mic. Why is that? Number one. My fellow Americans, tonight with a heart full of gratitude and boundless optimism, I profoundly accept this nomination for president of the United States. The RNC wraps up a majestic fa- in a majestic fashion on the South Lawn of the White House. Four stunningly successful, effective days for the Republicans as they sold their cause, their accomplishment, and their president. Will it resonate with independents, undecideds? Let's see what it's going to do for suburban women. And let's see where the president goes from here. Will he be as disciplined in 2020 from here on in as he was in 2016 with 10 weeks to go? 
So what do you think? one 866 Remarkably effective. I'm going to venture this. Even if there was no pandemic, and by the way, the economy would through the roof and the president would probably be slightly ahead. If there was, even though if there wasn't an event that kept them from Charlotte, North Carolina, and a typical convention, I think this was better. Why? Because it made people focus and streamline, knowing that, wait a second, this is all we got. We got to make sure we're effective. We're not going to have loud crowds to, to overwhelm you and tell you how to feel. Uh, for example, there's no laugh track uh, that sitcoms has that really replaces the live audience that we all experienced and watched in the 70s with the odd couple and happy days uh, and things like that. When you have something that's not real, uh, an audience, people don't want to hear a fake audience. So the DNC came out and they did their Zoom calls and they tried the best they could. And Republicans went to school on this. In four, for four days, they needed four weeks to show everybody how to do it. They did not get, have any interest in the celebrities, the high-profile guest, even the high-profile politician. They wanted people that benefited from the president's policy. So you had lobstermen, you had farmers, you had ranchers, you had people that have gotten out of prison who made a mistake, uh, like Alice Johnson. You have... Uh, people that got to know him, 37 years, like Herschel Walker. You had African-Americans like Jack Brewer, former NFL or Democrat, that says, I've seen enough. I'm voting for that guy. And Ben Carson, uh, somebody who overcame incredible odds, has his one brother become a, a rocket scientist who becomes a brain surgeon. And then as an African-American, lets everybody know it's okay. How many, how many African-Americans are you going to call on Uncle Tom before you realize what President Trump is is not a racist and what he does is his policies are not against any minority community? When he talks about and against being against illegal immigration, it is not anti-Hispanic. People are beginning to realize. That's why I believe it looks as though— Joe Biden after Labor Day is actually going to start campaigning. And we saw two interviews put together on MSNBC. Then we saw Kamala Harris have a makeshift press conference to counter in a pre-hit on Trump when it became clear he was going to focus and rip the skin off Joe Biden verbally. Uh, They quickly came out and tried to get some messaging out there. They were dark all week. They were getting steamrolled all week. I believe they know their internals reveal that the president has caught up. Cut one. My fellow Americans, tonight with a heart full of gratitude and boundless optimism, I profoundly accept this nomination for president of the United States. And you'll hear from the president. What did I think of the speech? It was a little long. I, okay. Uh, number one. Number two, it just went through where we're going agenda. And I'll actually give you the numbers. His agenda for the second term there. What he accomplished there. What he's doing. Uh, what he's doing now was there. So they said comparison to two speeches, Trump and Biden. Uh, Trump had more than 70 minutes, Biden 25 minutes. And Biden had given the speech before almost verbatim on 2008. Uh, 70 plus minutes. We know that. 5,080 words total, 956 words promises made, promises kept, 831 law and order, 636 COVID-19 response, 564, which is about 10 percent, Biden and Democrats, 401 words about his second term agenda. So it was all there. Could have been crisper and, and a lot of his other speakers covered it. So we didn't have to. But he did. Fine. 
I know people like Chris Wallace weren't happy with it. I thought it was fine. Other people were upset uh, that the president used the backdrop of the White House. Well, as you know, Franklin Delano Roosevelt did. I think he was successful and a Democrat. Number two, for his speech and acceptance speech. Number two, he had no choice. He had to go somewhere. There's no room in Joe Biden's basement for Donald Trump. You want him to go to Mar-a-Lago? You'll, you'll have a field day with that. You want him to go to New Jersey? Well, that's not going to be okay with you either. We'll talk about his wealth. You want him to go to some farm? No. You want to crowd? Yes. I think he could have done himself better to get, make that crowd socially distanced and ask, but don't demand, that they wear a mask. It would have eliminated a lot of the critics. But let's talk about the content. What was happening? Well, Kayla Mueller lost her life. She seems to be one of the most sensational people that ever walked the face of the earth. At 18, she wants to give back, goes to war-torn areas just to help people out, gets lured into Syria, gets a, becomes a prisoner of ISIS, and gets tortured in every way possible. In an attempt to get her out, the Mueller's were stonewalled by the Obamas, by the Obama administration. As soon as Trump got in office, he's gotten 50 hostages out. Robert O'Brien, now his national security advisor, headed up getting them all. He got answers for the Mueller's, and they were able to kill al-Baghdadi, who tortured their daughter, and they were there for them. And that's why Carl Mueller went out of his way to take the stage, talk about his daughter, and what and, and Marsha Mueller, talk about his daughter, their daughter, and what the Trump administration did. Cut 10. The Trump team gave us empathy we never received from the Obama administration. The Obama administration said it was doing everything it could. The Trump administration is. Let me just say this. Kayla should be here. If Donald Trump had been president when Kayla was captured, she would be here today. Okay. Have fun with that, CNN. Go to town, MSNBC. That's a fact. Is he a prop? He still doesn't have his daughter's body. Found out she was killed. Still doesn't know how. But guess what? They answered the call. They care. Oh, that, that callous Donald Trump only cares about himself. Kamala Harris, he's there for his ego. Please tell me where his ego comes into that. I didn't even know that story. I knew they were helping, but I didn't know to that degree they had won him over. Number two, look out. 700,000 active policemen, and they got families. And then there's retired cops. There's one party that seems to care about cops. And it is the Republican Party. They should show more empathy and more interest in racial equity. I think the Republicans should. Just like I think the Democrats who go out of their way to back law enforcement and mock the fact that people want to defund it. And they're moving to do it, by the way. They're doing it in, uh, in New York, did it. In Seattle, did it. Portland, did it. Austin, did it. That's just off the top of my head. Patrick Lynch. Patrick Lynch runs the Police Benevolent Association. In New York City, cut 13. Like cops across the country, we are staring down the barrel of a public safety disaster. More than 1,000 people have been shot in New York City so far this year. Almost 300 have been killed. These are not just numbers. These are real people. And every day, our communities are asking us, why is this happening? The answer is simple. The Democrats have walked away from us. They have walked away from police officers, and they've walked away from the innocent people we protect. Democratic politicians have surrendered our streets and our institutions. Okay, that's true. And that's why Joe Biden scrambled yesterday to condemn riots and disseminate from protests. First time. 
He doesn't take questions, so he gives little speeches and little tweets that somebody else writes. First time. This is not hard. How could you be, how could you take your time condemning riots? And what the president should have said yesterday in his speech, I believe, is talk about Tim Scott's uh, police reform. Uh, talk about de-escalation techniques. Lengthen the time in the academy. It makes cops better. Teachers, everybody's got to learn, got to get better. You always learn to improve your marksmanship. You always learn different techniques. If you're a wrestler, you're always learning to try to get better. If you're in sports, you're always trying to get better. If you're a coach, you're always going to school. If you're a cop, it shouldn't stop the day you get out of the academy. And maybe the academy's got to modernize with the different challenges in today's society. For example, if I told you in 2005 that opioids was going to be a big problem in middle America— You'd probably say, no, that's not a problem. The crack is the problem in 2000, 1995, and that's the inner city. People are choosing to do drugs. No, it's prescription drugs. Go back to, so who's, gonna, who's going to analyze that? Who's going to fight that? Where, how is this sold? Sometimes you don't get that, according to cops that I've spoken to, on the fly. Sometimes the, economy, the academy's got to do it for the next generation. So that was what Tim Scott was proposing, some of the things. They should have been in President's speech last night. I would have included that. So this way people don't walk away saying, well, he doesn't care about law enforcement reform. You know that's not true, so put it in there. Doesn't care about racial equity. You know that's not true, so put it in there. But 70 minutes, he did cover a lot. Talk about outrage, the fact that he used the White House, set off fireworks, Washington Monument, South Lawn, no masks, no social distancing. So that's all you need. Don't worry about debating what the president said. Don't talk about the Mueller's. Don't talk about Alice Johnson getting out of prison and the, and the Second Chance Act or uh, the Next Step Act, the First Step Act, rather. Talk about this. Cut 22. I, I, I got, I'm practically speechless here. I have been covering the White House on and off for two decades. I have seen senior White House officials refuse to even comment on political campaign issues because they thought it would be a violation of the law to do that from White House grounds on the on White House time. And here we have the entire South Lawn of, of, the, of the White House transformed into the hall, the, the venue for a national political convention. What do you want him to do? He lives there. This is uh, atypical times. FDR did it on radio. The president's doing it now. They just selective outrage. Jonathan Carl, you know, I think the president uh, has known him, according to his book, for 30 years. Why is he outraged? I mean, didn't you see this? Didn't you see the stanchions being set up and the chairs being put out? Why outraged? Why are you surprised? The president let out let out excerpt of his speech. Where do you think he was giving it? Not on the stage. You think he was going to give it by a tree? So don't be surprised, but that's your outrage. And you don't like it. I see there's 23 lies the president said in the Washington Post. And well, not lies. The president's saying that's how he views things. You know, in terms of the mortality rate on the, on the coronavirus, I'm not sure. I've seen two different calculuses. One says we're up the top. Other says we're 11th. Uh, I'll take your calls in just a second. And you, listen, what you think works, I'm not going to tell you what to think. But my feeling is in four days— this party knocked it out of the park, and I believe if it wasn't true, Joe Biden would not be coming out to campaign after the ninth. There wouldn't be talk of him trying to get out of the debates because he's been a disaster when he's unscripted. And Kamala Harris wouldn't have actually had a press conference and speech yesterday. The internals say this is close. What do you think? And we haven't even talked sports yet. I have so much to go over. And then Eric Prince at the bottom of the hour had it. What is really going on in our inner cities? This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. 
politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. That is the Trump that White House officials and campaign officials wish they had all the time. One who is not sending tweets that upset people. One who is not making comments that upset people when he ad-libs. And I think it's important to note that I do expect that there might be some sort of narrowing in the polls after this unfiltered, after this rather filtered week. But we still have many days to go, and we'll see if the president is able to stay as disciplined. So it's very interesting because, as Jake Tapper as CNN is pointing out a positive, a lot of Trump supporters pointed out a negative. Oh, I wish he was ad-libbing. I thought he should have been more enthusiastic. He delivered a more traditional speech, which is a list of accomplishments, want-tos, and how bad Biden is. And a lot of his people, including Chris Wallace, thought it was kind of boring. I, I didn't think it was boring, but... You know, he wasn't being a comedian. I have I think that that was intentional. Maybe we're going to see a lot of discipline from here on in. It's not like we haven't seen it before. Chuck is listening in Sarasota, Florida. Hey, Chuck. Good morning, Brian. Hey, what's on your mind? What would you think? Well, first of all, Chris Wallace didn't like it because he wouldn't sit next to Brett Baer and Martha McCallum. We know that. But I, I thought, it, you know, it was a little long, and it could have been a little less. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Uh, campaign-ish, if you will, but I thought all in all it was good. Um, and, and they were handing out masks in the beginning. You know, it was just people's uh, choice whether or not they wear them. So 
that was that. But I, I thought all in all, you know, it was very good. You know, he could have let the previous three days speak for itself. But, you know, at the end of the day, it was so leaps and bounds better than the uh, the DNC uh, convention. So, Appreciate it. And, uh, I did. Uh, that's great. It's good to know they do. We're handing out masks. Uh, Eli, New Jersey. Eli. Yeah, hi, Brian. How are you? What would you think? Um, I thought it was great. I just wanted to go on to a different point. What happened last night outside the White House with Rand Paul, um, and you had an interview with uh, on Fox, yep. uh, Fox and Friends this morning with uh, two congressmen, um, and they said every leader should call it out. But I want to ask you, in all honesty, after we reelect Donald Trump, what's he going to do? Why This violence is not in his hands. To It's more on the local level, like the mayors and the governors. I know. I, I mean, seriously. What, what? Uh, I think they can. And, and I'm going to talk to well, we could really break that down. There's there's Eric Prince has come up in about five minutes and he is going to talk about exactly what to do because it's it's scripted. It's organized. That's the problem. Jason in the house, the Jason Chaffetz podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. All I ask is that these cities that are having difficulty, if they call us, if they request that we send the National Guard, they will be there instantaneously, and we will put out the fire, we will put out the flame, we will put out uh, the, uh, the vandalism, because the vandalism and the looting is ridiculous to allow this to happen. And with the latest we're seeing in Kenosha, Wisconsin, after the shooting over the weekend, uh, now we fight when this uh, would-be suspect was shot seven times at close range with his kids in the back of the car. We know that he was wrestling with some cops earlier before that. I don't know if it's okay now to wrestle with cops, but the seven shots at close range is the uh, key that spurred the boycotts in sports and spurred all the violence in Wisconsin, although it's been kind of quiet the last two days. But it's not new. You got, for months, this is going on in Portland. Seattle still isn't under control. You walk through New York City, don't tell me you feel safe. And now they're going to have an organized rally in Washington. How, how dangerous could that end up, especially when you saw what happened to so many people that were lucky enough to get to the White House yesterday for what was the RNC final day? With me right now is a man who knows, spent his life in law enforcement, former U.S. Navy SEAL and founder of the private military company Blackwater, now called Academy, uh, Eric Prince. Eric, welcome back. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Good. Did you ever think uh, we were going to see this type of uh, urban unrest? Uh, you know, I've been to a lot of garden spots around the world where you see this, but seeing it in America is is really disgusting, and uh, and I truly hope uh, like the president said, they can put the fire out because this is not this is not America we're seeing. Why is it happening? Uh, it's a concerted, funded effort uh, of subversion by uh, by cultural Marxists. That a you know it starts with monuments and then with just riots. And um, I, I think these these Democrat mayors in some of these big cities are like the Mensheviks trying to make a deal with the Bolsheviks. Of course, we know if you know if you know Soviet history, they were they were all end up being destroyed, and it became a big uh, violent free for all. And and to think that these these mayors are going to placate uh, and negotiate with these mobs, they are they are highly mistaken. And so, you know, if you are unfortunate enough to live in one of those areas with a a, a local weak political class that is not willing to stand up and uh, and enforce 
good order and discipline, then we're going to have these problems continue. Of course, peaceful protest is allowed. Um, and, 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 you know, the investigation and, uh, and due process needs to happen for any police-involved shooting. But looting a target, torching a, uh, a car dealership is not protest. It's just violence and mayhem. And, um, and the president's right. We need to put that fire out. So, you know, the thing is, uh, it seems organized. I've heard, that especially in Portland and Seattle, they're radios. They know where to hit. They know how to hit. And they have a plan. That is not somebody who's being overcome with emotional rage. This is this seems to be separate. Have you been able to separate the two? Look, I have friends in law enforcement. They say they've wrapped up, um, you know, gangs of kids that were uh, destroying buildings, torching things, throwing rocks in windows, and then they would um, take pictures. They would send that those pictures to a burner, uh, to a, a, a non-traceable phone, and they would then, then be paid in Bitcoin, in, uh, in blockchain currency. Uh, so someone is paying for that subversion, and I truly hope the feds are, are swimming up that river and finding who's sponsoring this subversion, because whether it's a, um, a political group doing it or a foreign power, that is, um, that is an attack on America, an attack on the Constitution and our republic. So I want you to see what Joe Biden said. Uh, you know, obviously, he wants to be president, so he's going to criticize the president whenever it happens. He said, this is happening in Donald Trump's America. It never happened here. Cut 55. Everything he's inherited, he screwed up. You know, he screwed up the economy so badly. For the last four years, we weren't having riots, racial riots. When they occurred, we didn't call, have to call on the national. We protected federal property without hurting people. We moved in a direction that made sense. He's totally wrong. He forgot Ferguson, right? I mean, they had to call in the National Guard in Ferguson. And Ferguson was uh, was burned. Ask the sh- ask the shop owners in Ferguson, whose businesses and lives were destroyed, their life work, uh, you know, destroyed in a few hours. They would disagree with him. I, you know, he he forgets a lot of things, you know, possibly even where he is sometimes. But uh, you know, that's it's just rewriting history. And uh, and the people, whether it's the 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 widow of the retired police chief who was murdered um, while responding to looting. Um, that th- th- these are very real things, and she's so right. This is not a video game where you can hit some reset button and make it all go away. This is very real. There are people's lives being um, destroyed and irreparably altered, uh, and the president needs to pursue law and order on this. So what do you do? What do you do if you're the president and you have mayor, liberal mayors who think cops are the problem? Do you have a plan? Look, from an investigative perspective, they've got to swim up the stream of who is funding that kind of subversion. If you find uh, – look, there's a reason there's federal laws for everything, including RICO, that if you, if you actually can trace uh, money that's going to sponsor that kind of subversion, you treat it like the domestic terrorism that it is. That's, it, it, I'm sure they're doing it, but they need to do it more, and there's a lot of other commercial technologies that can be brought to bear to help identify who these bad uh, bad hombres are. Uh, absolutely. Everything's caught on video now, but there's got to be there's got to be some type of arrest. What do you do when you have a Portland mayor like Ted Wheeler come out and say his strategy to quell the rioting is to let it burn itself out? Again, that's like the Mensheviks that were trying to negotiate with the Bolsheviks during the communist revolution. Uh, that's a absolutely uh, insane approach. I would imagine he'll be recalled uh, at the next uh, or, or certainly lose the next election because I can't imagine the voters of Portland uh, and the taxpayers of Portland wanting to continue with that kind of insanity. 
Uh, Eric, you do a lot of traveling. How is this perceived on the outside? Are people wondering what's going on in America? You know what? The, the, all the people I talk with overseas, they see how utterly uh, slanted the mainstream media is in America, that it is just about attacking President Trump. The people I uh, um, I talk to, they, they know America. They travel our national parks. They visit the heartland and normal people in America. And, and, and what they're seeing horrifies them as well, and they realize it is also – uh, sponsored subversion in politics. It's not a. Uh, it's not some spontaneous outbreak. Right. So the other thing, Eric, I know that you, the president really respects you, always has, and your chairman of Afghanistan was beginning to resonate with him to bring in the private outside entity. Now that you see we're talking to the Taliban, I do not feel good about how this is going to end. They basically encircled the Afghan government we've been helping fund. How do you see this ending? Um, so I think they're going to leave around four and a half thousand U.S. troops there. Um, and incidentally, there's 29,000 contractors still in Afghanistan. What I what I recommended to the president was that the U.S. troops could leave. You could leave a very small, you know, a JSOC-like capability, uh, a Delta Force or a SEAL Team Six small strike team there, and then uh, we could we could. Basically, uh, put a bandage on it with 6,000 contractors uh, in total, and you have a, a 95% savings. Uh, at, at current trajectory, um, the Afghan government uh, will fall because uh, the Taliban is um, is on a mission. They're winning, and uh, and they're consistently uh, gaining more territory and getting more and more defections from the Afghan security forces. So, pa- Pakistan funding uh, them. I, uh, no, it's largely self-funded by uh, by drugs, uh, illegal mining, and um, uh, and and taxes uh, that they that they that they collect. You know, the, the, the United States never even fixed their logistics chain, so all the logistics to support the U.S. presence there comes from Karachi up through Afghanistan, and so just basically the Taliban tolling the fuel and food supplies rolling into the country funds their insurgency. So look, it, there's a lot of things. Um, uh, troubling in the world. I think the president's speech, the RNC, was fantastic. Um, I'll, uh, I'll tell you that I'm uh, I'm bringing Blackwater back. You are. Um, we are. It is back. We're providing uh, security services to uh, to some individuals now, and uh, we have a fantastic shotgun. You know, because if you're if you're sitting in your home and something goes bump in the night, and especially if you live in these cities where this unrest breaks out. It can be one minute, two minutes, or 60 minutes is a long time, and a lot of bad things can happen. And so uh, we actually have some fantastic firearms, uh, a shotgun called the Century, and a thumb-operated rifle, which uh, really changes uh, – greatly improves the accuracy for long-range shooting. Uh, people can see that at uh, Blackwater Worldwide. But uh, wow. I wanted to tell you, Brian, that Blackwater is back. Wow, that's much, great. Uh, and hopefully much the consternation of the uh, of the raging loony left. Uh, absolutely. I know that doesn't really bother you. Eric, I also saw that you you, uh, you guys were part of you were part of uh, the board member on Build the Wall. And I saw Steve Bannon last week, I think today, uh, he was arrested. He says it's pure politics uh, and charged. What could you tell yeah, us look, about that without getting yourself in legal? Well, look, I, I, I was um, – I think I was listed as an advisory board member. I never participated in any board meetings or any oversight of what I did do is visit the site in El Paso, Texas, where a wall was built that where there was none. There was actually five paths worn 
through the stone of all the illegal traffic coming across into the United States. And uh, with funds raised by the We Build the Wall, they built a wall there in a place the Army Corps of Engineers said it was essentially impossible to do. So I can't speak to any of the financial detail, but I do know that there was a wall built where there was none before. And do you see any, I mean, do you see anything unsavory going on, or you just saw people sincerely wanting to stop illegal immigration? Look, I, I again, I wasn't part of any fundraising appeals yeah. or anything like that uh, or any of the oversight. Uh, I, if I saw something unsavory, I would have done something about it. But uh, again, that was not my role. But I did go down and see the wall, and, and no kidding, there was a wall built where there was none there before. And you got 300 miles there built uh, through uh, through incredible means. President showing a lot of resourcefulness in getting that done to this point. Uh, Eric, thanks so much. It's good to know Blackwater's back. You bet, Brian. Thanks right. for having me. Eric Prince, thank you so much. Sure. Uh, weighing in on the civil unrest in this country. one 408 7669 I'm going to come back and take some more of your calls. I have a lot more to go. We haven't even talked about the sports yet and the games that didn't happen. Can you imagine if you paid for a ticket to watch Orlando against Milwaukee, Mets play the Marlins, and you're sitting there with your kid, you paid for parking, you gave up your day, maybe you took off from work, gave up your Saturday or Sunday at the beach, and the players walk off. Would you respect or resent? Give you my answer. It's Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. So don't blame this president here. Don't blame anyone. Quit pointing fingers. If you want to solve it, what we got to do, we got to get together and talk about it, not protest, not go off the court, not do any of that. We need to get together leadership and vote every lead. Go to Washington and you decide what you want to do. And I said, I'm happy to join you because I do know this got to stop. We cannot go on like this. That is uh, Herschel Walker. He said, I lost a lot of friends because I came out and said for 37 years, Donald Trump's been my friend and he's not a racist. And it's an insult to say I'd be friends with someone that's a racist. I don't know if you've seen Herschel Walker, but he's black and a sensational person, great running back who also decided to become a UFC fighter. So I think twice before accusing him of being uh, an Uncle Tom, like was trending on Twitter all week uh, long. But we're talking about the walk off, the boycotts. Basketball will be back. They say Michael Jordan had a major role in that as the only minority-majority owner in the NBA. But I think that the end, the sports is playing with fire because they are overestimating their importance in our lives. Yeah, we love football. Yeah, we everyone, you know, there's soccer maniacs out there and people that will live and die by the basketball results. But over the last six months, we realized just a game. The people that will struggle most is, is uh, ESPN and Fox Sports because uh, they live off the highlights and the games and the rights. But we could go without it. It's happening right now. No one's going to the games that we're watching. The, the ratings are down almost across the board. Only 15,000 going to, going to be allowed to go to an NFL game on, on the whole. So if you're going to keep walking off, if I'm in those stands and you walked off, even if I believe the sincerity of your cause, uh, that's not what this is about. I think it's overstepping. Press conferences after, meetings before, I get. But I don't get this. Here's Rory in Panama. Rory. Hey, hey, Brian. How are you? Good. Do you appreciate the players standing up for something, or do you think this is out of bounds? I, 
I don't think it's standing up at all. I, I, look, sports can go jump in a lake. That that's a fancy way of saying G F Y. But I, I don't look uh, sports. I don't care about them anymore. I, I went to a basketball game and a social justice rally broke out. Come on, is that what I paid for? Get out of here. It's just it bothers me. I, I well, I, I have no mind with people I, speaking up, but they have to understand. They're they're blowing. They they make a great living because people care. I, I there's some so many great athletes in lacrosse, track and field, gymnastics who can't attract a crowd. They don't make any money. They don't they don't have big mansions, twenty five homes on their own plane. But if the NBA is going to uh, say, okay, I don't like what's going on in Milwaukee. What if Donald Trump wins the election? Is anyone going to play sports, or are they just going to quit? I I just don't get it. I want you to hear. Thanks so much for the call. I want you to hear, here's Tennessee Titans quarterback Ryan Tannehill. Uh, He's white, by the way. Cut 40. These systematic oppressions have been going on for a long time. Hundreds of years, this country was founded uh, upon racist ideas with with slaves being brought here uh, from from the day of foundation. And those ideas have have persisted throughout the last hundreds of years, and it's going to take time uh, until we can get those all out. Okay. If you're not going, if you're going to make that statement, and I talk about the progress society has made, is is totally irresponsible. Number two, if you are going to make that statement that America is founded on racist ideals, no, America is founded on freedom. Unfortunately, around the world at that time, slavery was prevalent, and it was before the formation of America. It was here, and since that time, they struggled to get out of it. We fought a war to get rid of it, civil rights legislation to rid society of it, and we still have strides to make. But to have that little pride in America or knowledge about America to think it was based on racism is absolutely irresponsible. Jerry, listen on WOKV. Jerry, Jacksonville. Hey, Brian, love your sh- Hey, Brian, love your show. Thank man. you. Um, I just wanted to say uh, I'm a little lost right now because I, 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 I've watched the Democratic convention. I watched the Republican convention. And through the Republican convention, they're saying if you vote for Joe Biden, you know, the protesters are coming to your neighborhood. They're going to loot and burn down. My thing is that's happening now, and it's been happening for the last two and a half years. What's going to be different if we put this guy back in office? Well, that's it's a good point, happen- and, and I'll tell you, Jerry, I'll tell you exactly what's going on. When you saw him put federal agents into Portland, they became the focus of it. And what he's seeing right now is this civil unrest that is taking place, and one party's condemning it, and the other one is saying, well, there's racial injustice in America, and not and just basically ignoring it, mostly peaceful protests. I didn't see a lot of peace going on in Kenosha. I don't see any peace going on in Portland. I don't see any peace going on in Seattle, and New York is a mess. So I know what you're saying. Donald Trump's president, but he's not the mayor, and he's not the governor. But my feeling is by reelecting Donald Trump, it'll put so much downward pressure on these Democrats to rein this stuff in because no one's going staying in the city if you're going to take my burn my tire store and light my used car lot on fire. And when that tax base dries up, then they're going to realize as Democrats, their their jig is up and so is their gig because they're not going to get voted in. So one will lead to another. Technically, it's on the president's watch. And you've heard me ask that of Republicans. But it's really not up to the president. He's not an absolute monarch. He's not Vladimir Putin to go down and just send his thugs in to, to, to knock heads. That's not the way we do it here. And most people know that. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Go to BrianKilmeadeShow.com or to the podcast or iTunes or iHeart. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. All right, here we go, everybody. Brian Kilmeade Show moving your way on this Friday. Really big day. Geraldo Rivera will be joining us in a rising star on the Republican side, Senator Tom Cotton. Prominent role, speaking role on Thursday, the last day of the RNC. And finally, we're through two very atypical DNCs, RNCs, because we're in this time of the pandemic. And I thought, no question, I think even Democrats would have to admit that this was Republicans were much better. The human stories from lobstermen to ranchers to farmers to reform convicts to the parents of, of hostages to the hostages themselves to uh, immigrants being uh, now, now legal immigrants being sworn in, becoming American citizens to great speeches along the way to up and coming African-American politicians like the attorney general in Kentucky. Uh, to people talking about Donald Trump, the person, not only the family member, we heard about his family, but we also heard from his friends. And we also heard what he's like behind closed doors from people like Tim Scott. So I think that all those people who said he's not ready for the job, he's not up for the task, the horrible things and the way he's characterized and the way they claim that he is overseas and looked at, uh, America's looked at around the world, that was pushed back on hard. How effective? My hunch is very effective, and I'll explain in a second. First, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. And now after a moment of silence that lasted 42 seconds, the Mets are exiting the field after a poignant moment that the Mets and Marlins will not be playing baseball tonight. And a Black Lives Matter shirt left on top of home plate. Sports, pause. The message from baseball, soccer, basketball, is the shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha can't stand. It's too much to handle. Race and law enforcement, intolerable situations, so they just didn't play. In your mind, is this laudable or deplorable? Number two. The Republican convention is designed for one purpose, to soothe Donald Trump's ego. He's the president of the United States, and it's not supposed to be about him. Really? Uh, the convention about his reelection. Exactly what I was thinking. Uh, it shouldn't be about the president. Uh, Dems in their press corps respond to the president's speech and his attacks on their candidate, Joe Biden. Oddly, when it came to attacking back, it was Joe's running mate who got the nod. Missed 3% Kamala Harris. Why? Number one. My fellow Americans tonight with a heart full of gratitude and boundless optimism, I profoundly accept this nomination for President of the United States. RNC wraps up in majestic fashion on the South Lawn of the White House. Four stunningly successful, effective days for the Republicans as they sold their cause, their accomplishments, and their president. Will it resonate with independents, undecided, suburban moms? The president's got to get all three if he wants to win with 10 weeks to go. And now uh, let's bring in Geraldo Rivera. Geraldo is another theme, the place you used to live, New York City. Rudy Giuliani says if we elect Biden, the whole country will be like uh, De Bla- the whole country will get what de Blasio's done to New York City. They people get that because they see how bad the city is now. Well, the 
tell you, numbers don't lie, Brian. I mean, we're at uh, levels of violence. Uh, it has surged uh, so terribly. There were levels unseen in decades, I mean, literally in decades, since uh, uh, 1990. And, uh, uh, you know, that plus the, the anarchy and the, the looting and uh, the, the disruption, uh, you know, I, I, I think that every brick thrown through every window, every store looted is a vote lost to Joe Biden. Uh, I believe that the president has reversed uh, Biden's lead. Uh, I think it's a tie right now, and I think the momentum clearly is in the president. Uh, do you you believe it's a tie? I believe the indication is, and I've always said this, the day that Joe Biden starts campaigning again is the day that the internal show we're getting cl- the, the the this is getting close. And that clearly, when they said that he's going to campaign after Labor Day, and we saw him twice yesterday on MSNBC, then I thought, game on. And that, is that what you thought, or do you have a different marker? Uh, you, you know, I, I, my, my feeling about this is based, if I was going to put, point to things other than my sentiment, my sense of it, I would go to the, the Trafalgar poll and the other one I mentioned on Fox & Friends this morning in Minnesota. Minnesota went for Hillary Clinton in 2016. Uh, she won by two or three percentage points. Now that poll shows a tie in Minnesota, Biden-Trump, 47-47. And it's obviously a result, a reaction to what's happened in Minneapolis, the jewel of Minnesota that has been trashed and, and destroyed and looted and raped. Uh, you know, I, I think that people in Minnesota, however liberal they may be in their political philosophies and in their personal lifestyles, they look at what's happened and the the lawlessness and the disorder and the danger and what it's done to the reputation of the Twin Cities. Uh, And they're they're jumping ship. And if that state is in play, a state that the the Democrats carried in 2016, uh, you know, here in Ohio also, I think it's going to be a similar situation. I think that these swing states uh, throughout the Midwest are going to go Trump's way, the, the people, you know, everybody wants social justice, or almost everybody wants social justice. Absolutely everybody wants law and order. I mean, you can't have a world where you're afraid for your children or your spouse and your property uh, and disorder. I mean, uh, civilization is based on, you know, a, 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 a thread that uh, uh, we, we honor other people's private property. We respect people uh, regardless of the race, color, creed or religion. I mean, that's, uh, you know, it's a very fragile uh, setup if, if, if the – if the world becomes, uh, you know, the the looters have the free access, private property means nothing. Uh, you know, we can trash a store, you can beat up a storekeeper, you can uh, do whatever. You know, that kind. Geraldo, of, you uh, saw Rand Paul, and and that is happening. I was watching raw footage online uh, from the Daily Caller. Go to the DailyCaller.com, see it. People just who walked out, one of the thousands that were there in the South Lawn. They were being harassed in a way they probably never were in their lives just by being a Trump supporter and walking out of the White House by the, by the hundreds. And the, the vicious things they're saying and these, these couples being harassed as they walk to their hotel room. And you really can't do anything. Raldo, as great, as tough as you are, you can't take on 100 people. And it's just not possible, especially if you, you have your wife with you. So this is happening more and more. And Rand Paul said he said he would have been killed, he thought, if the cops didn't happen to stumble upon him and provide security. We are in we're in a point of no was we're getting to a point of no return now. 
the the effect of that though brian on society and on this election is you know i'm glad that senator paul and 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 his wife are safe it is disgusting what happened to them but they are in a sense martyrs for the president and the republican party to the extent that their humiliation at the hands of the mob the fear that they experienced with their their lives threatened by anarchists and kids who are totally out of control. Now people are going to see what happened to the senator, and that's another tale to go with the Minneapolis, Oakland, Portland, Seattle, Chicago, New York, and I think that this all resounds to the president's benefit politically. I hate what happened, but I see the political effect of it will be exactly the opposite of what that mob intended. My feeling is that there is interstate criminal traffic being paid for across state lines, but you won't know unless you arrest them. Otherwise, you just think, oh, these are the, you know, some normal hoodlums from a big city. I promise you that at least some of the members and the people who attacked us were not from D.C. They flew here in a plane. They've all got fresh new clothes, and they were paid to be here. It is a crime to do that, and it needs to be traced. The FBI needs to investigate, but the only way you can do it is you have to arrest people. And usually we say, oh, well, you didn't get hurt, so we're not going to arrest them. They were inciting a riot, and they would have killed us had the police not been there. And they need to be debriefed. They got, they got earpieces. Uh, a lot of them have, whether they're bats or bricks, I mean, there, there's, a, there's an order to the disorder. I hear that there's a major FBI probe of Antifa going on right now. I think that the Attorney General, Bill Barr, is committed to yeah. it. And I, I believe that they are using uh, uh, enabling uh, legislation like RICO statues, uh, statutes to go after them, the same kind of uh, devices they use to go after organized crime. I, I think that there will be. And remember, you've got two full months before the election. I think before, before then, you're going to see not only the Durham report on uh, how they tried to sabotage the president at that level, but also you're going to see these, uh, these anarchists exposed as organized criminals who have used uh, uh, the, pres- uh, the uh, senator's absolutely right interstate travel to arm themselves, uh, they've used uh, communications that are also federally uh, uh, regulated. I, I believe that you're going to see some high-profile arrests of some masterminds uh, because this is absolutely intolerable, Brian. And lastly, Geraldo, I'm seeing Melania's former assistant speaking, uh, writing a book. I'm seeing Bob Woodward write a book. Somebody else is writing an anti-Trump book, Trump versus the United States. We see the Michael Cohen book is coming out. There is a push. There is a fear that Donald Trump's going to win again. I think this is all part of it. John Bolton writes a book. Mary Trump writes a book. Uh, the, the, uh, Mary Trump's uh, uh, aunt, Trump's sister, is taped. I've never seen such. Usually there's one of these things. This is all in the next three months. It's all because of ratings or book sales. I mean, he is a, he's a very controversial figure. He's had a very uh, you know, a checkered personal life. There's plenty of juicy stuff about Donald Trump that the people have been hearing. Uh, you know, with Access Hollywood was the, the last time around those tapes. Uh, they've been hearing a lot about Trump, and they have rejected it as irrelevant. Every one of these naysayers, including King Rat, uh, 
Michael Cohen, who was, you know, it's one thing when your family stabs you in the back, but when your attorney does it, I mean, it, it, where's lawyer-client privilege? Where's that the 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 relationship? He's such a dog, Michael Cohen, uh, you know. And I know stories about him. I could go on and on. But my point is, this is the Teflon president, uh, in the sense that those stories are yanny, 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 yanny. As long as he hasn't used his office. As long as these things haven't, uh, you know, uh, bled over into him as an, as president in his official capacity, I think it's all noise. I think yeah. the Woodward book will be interesting. I think Woodward is relatively fair, although he is a, a you know a Democrat. And the president I cooperated. The president sat down with him fourteen times. I I, I think that the, that book might be uh, actually illuminating in some respects, but also irrelevant to the way people vote on November third. I think <laughs> ultimately, what you have now is a feeling. One guy is for. Uh, America, the good. The other guy is America, the divided. And I, I, I really believe that uh, uh, Trump uh, has tied uh, a race he was way behind in. Uh, and I think that now he's got all the momentum and Biden better get out of the basement. Who are you voting for? Well, I'm leaning toward the president. I'm undecided, but I could vote for Kanye. I'm not sure, but I'm not going to vote for Biden no matter what. <laughs> Geraldo Rivera and Kanye West. If he named you as his running mate, you'll definitely vote for him. He'd be smart, he would. Uh, He's on the ballot here in Ohio. Well, that, that's going to that's gonna help. I, I would love to see the president get more of the African-American vote because it would, that, would, that would be the, the biggest proof need, that there might be some unity in the country. He's, he's doing the, all the right things. I, I really believe that, uh, you know, it's particularly African-American men. Men, ironically, like Kanye, are waking up to the fact that, that he is a president who respects them. He gets the whole uh, uh, police violence thing. Uh, uh, he wants you to be ex- successful. He wants you to be rich. He wants you to be. Yep. Uh, someone who, uh, you know, uh, can spread the wealth. I, I, I think right. that uh, Trump's got it. And I, I also heard him say he wants me to be as rich as you, which I said, Mr. President, let me handle that. Don't get involved in my life, okay? If that's possible. You should have had a talk show, Brian. I know. I wish I had one. You ruined it for everybody. No one will ever be as good as you. Uh, thanks, Geraldo. Appreciate All right, it. All right, 1-866-408-7669. I see you up there in Arizona. I see you in Virginia Beach, and I see you around the country. We'll get to both those calls, actually seven of those calls. I'm going to be really ambitious in just a moment. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Uh, your responsibility is to take action. I don't know that protest is an action. I think each guy has a personal thing. I would beg them to take action, find a cause, and either support it financially or do something to change the situation because protesting doesn't do crap, in my opinion. I've been seeing it since 1968. Bruce Arians, head coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks, with Tom Brady as his quarterback, said, okay, uh, I'm not sure what Tampa Bay did. I know the Jets walked out of practice. The Giants didn't. Uh, other people walked out. I guess uh, the Jaguars thought about doing it. They had two meetings, ended up practicing anyway. Uh, baseball had their protests, their walk-offs, Mets and Marlins. Uh, to, I, think a whole, I think the Giants and Dodgers canceled their game. I'm not really sure why you're protesting just what happened in Kenosha and not with the 62 dead, including a three-year-old child in New York City, on random shooting. 
Black-on-black crime should matter just as much on a white police officer shooting a black person before we even know up the facts of the case. That's my problem with this whole thing. Victoria online in, in Rhode Island. Hey, Victoria, we're talking about the election. Hey, how's it going, Brian? Good. What's on your mind? Hi, I'm just talking about how uh, I am a mail carrier, and I was listening yesterday and how you were talking about that we might not be able to handle the volume. And I believe that we could handle the volume. It's not that that we would struggle with, but it would be not knowing who's actually at that address. Because I'm a sort of CCA, and I move from route to route to route. So I, I have no idea who's at an address. Good point. And we don't know. If, I, if I, the ballot comes to me and I'm sitting there in an apartment and the other tenant who was there before me, I get his ballot and I want Trump to win, I'll fill it out for Trump. I wouldn't personally, but that's illegal. But people will do it in a second. We don't, we're not cracking down on, on police assaults. We're not going to crack down on this. Uh, just judging by in the, on the, you know, we only, uh, we also, Lori Laughlin, we also crack down on her. But besides that, no one gets arrested anymore. So why not? Just fill out the ballot. It came to me. I filled it out. So it, to me, it just, it just hurts Biden as much as Trump. And they should both stand together on this, don't you think? I 100% agree, especially with apartment buildings and... Like, even beach routes, which I'm on, half these people don't even have mailboxes. How are they going to get their ballots to vote? Great point. And, Victoria, uh, I'm one of these people who do not put down the post office. I appreciate what you do. Thanks so much. Missy, listening online in West Virginia. Missy. Hi, Brian. Hey. Hi, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. I no just problem. wanted to make two quick points, if you'll let me. Trump is not responsible for anybody dying for coronavirus. And here's why. I was a cop for 20 years. I have been exposed to pretty much every communicable disease that's out there on the planet. I've also been inoculated against them. So at any time that I was exposed to those diseases, at some point my body was fighting them off, and I was shedding those diseases. That's what Fauci keeps telling us. You're shedding the disease, and you're going to give it to other people. So you're telling me that I should have just sat at home and not did my job because I may have, might have exposed somebody to what I was carrying, and I was going to kill them by three degrees of separation? Is that even reasonable to think that way? No, I hear you. Thanks, Missy. Good point. I always love your real-life experiences. Meanwhile, I thought Carl Rove had the best column yesterday. talked about Joe Biden acting like it didn't have to be this bad. Joe Biden telling Donald Trump, if you were better at this, it wouldn't have been this bad. He would have just said 36,000 lives had you acted two weeks earlier. Nobody has any idea where he got that number. We know he was personally doing rallies up until... May 9th. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. The Trump team gave us empathy we never received from the Obama administration. The Obama administration said it was doing everything it could. The Trump administration is. Let me just say this. Kayla should be here. If Donald Trump had been president when Kayla was captured, she would be here today. Wow, and that is so effective. I thought one of the great moments. You have Alice Johnson talking about the First Step Act and getting out of prison. You have Debbie Flood talking about as president of Wisconsin Manufacturing Companies, how uh, the PPP funding helped her and also helped American businesses and workers get their workers back when business was going overseas. And then you have uh, Carl Mueller talking about his daughter. Sadly, she was killed when she was taken hostage by ISIS. 
But it was Robert O'Brien and President Trump who worked to get answers for her and killed al-Baghdadi. Uh, Senator Tom Cotton doesn't need to be introduced to that region. He fought there. He is a former infantryman, uh, served in the Army, and now serves Arkansas as senator. Senator Tom Cotton, who, was, who did a great job in a speech last night. Welcome back, Tom. Hey, Brian. It's good to be on with you. Thanks for having me on. And I have to agree that uh, the Mueller's uh, gave very powerful testimony. Um, of course, it's a terrible thing anytime a parent loses a child, but to lose a child in such a horrifying fashion to a monster like Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi and then being willing to speak to the world about it, um, it's incredibly powerful. And, and what they wanted is a response. Now, I understand, you know, the negative side of dealing with hostage takers, it leads to more hostages. But there wasn't even conversation under the wire. But with the Bo Bergdahl family, the president couldn't get enough of that story. Yeah, Brian, um, as I explained last night, uh, Joe Biden, um, when he was Barack Obama's vice president, that entire administration said almost nothing, did almost nothing. Um, but the president has taken a very different approach uh, for families like the Mullers and um, other families who have had their loved ones detained and regrettably killed overseas. Uh, they've done everything they can to get them back, especially Robert O'Brien, for his national security advisor, was the special envoy for hostages. Um, and where they couldn't get it back, uh, they have, at a minimum, uh, obtained vengeance by killing people like Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi and Qasem Soleimani, Iran's terrorist mastermind as well. That won't bring back any uh, Americans' loved ones, uh, but it will deliver justice to those right. who killed Americans. And the other thing, Senator, is... Uh, I just cannot believe that you had John Kerry bragging about his foreign policy and Barack Obama and Joe Biden trumpeting their efforts. What are they talking about? Under their watch, the Russians got back into the Middle East. Under their watch, uh, Egypt was handed over to the Muslim Brotherhood. And then finally they got it back and they were upset by that. Under their watch, the red line was not enforced. Under their watch, the JV team, we now know as ISIS, was able to take root, almost took Iraq back, and formed a country, a caliphate the size of New Jersey. I mean, to me, I'd be running for, I'd be running when they brought up foreign policy. Yeah, Brian, you lay down a pretty damning indictment there. Uh, and that's what I tried to do in my speech last night to explain that Joe Biden has been wrong about every major national security decision. For the last 47 years, uh, as Bob Gates, Barack Obama's own secretary of defense, has said, remember, it was Joe Biden's responsibility, deputized by President Obama, to obtain a new status of forces agreement with the Iraqi government before 2011. He could not do so. We withdrew the last small remnants of our troops that were holding together uh, the fragile peace in Iraq. And what happened? Almost immediately, as I and others predicted at the time, ISIS emerged and rampaged across the Middle East. And then they put the handcuffs on our military, preventing them from effectively destroying ISIS in 2014, 15, and 16. It took President Trump to come in right. and to totally destroy ISIS and its caliphate, as well as its terrorist leader, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. And by the way, pick up General Mattis' book, who's not a Trump fan anymore, but he talked about his conversation with Biden and warning Biden, we can't pull out everybody. Here's why. Al-Maliki can't be trusted. Here's why. And he had no interest in uh, in anything. He said he looked right past me, made his decision. We're pulling out. It's time. But as you know, there's an alternate reality on other channels. They use this time to bash the president, even though I think at the end of the day, and I can't, I'm anxious to get your take, I think he's going to be neck and neck when these polls come out. Here is Jake Tapper. This is his review of these last four days. Cut 23. 
You saw it this evening and the last four nights, the view of the world from planet Trump. Uh, the view of the world as the president wishes it were. He has talked about uh, the, the world and the pandemic uh, as if almost it is over uh, in terms of the event and how he's holding this event. Uh, a pandemic event, nobody uh, was social distancing with a crowd of 1,500, 2,000 individuals, very few masks, no mass testing. Uh, it was as if we were not in the middle of a deadly pandemic. Is this planet Trump or is it our planet? <laughs> uh, that's reality, Brian. Um, the media um, and the Democrats, though I repeat myself, um, are upset. And you can tell that the convention was a success because of their hysterical reactions to it. Look, what the Democrats did last week was engage in nothing but ad hominem attacks against Donald Trump, casting aspersions uh, on his character. They said nothing about what they would do for this country. The reason they didn't is because they want to hide their radical agenda, raising taxes by $4 trillion, opening our borders by decriminalizing illegal immigration, then giving health care at your expense to illegal immigrants while taking away your insurance on the job. And that's just a few of their crazy plans. Um, they don't want to talk about that agenda. The media wing of the Democratic Party is upset that we expose the Democrats' radical agenda and explain why Donald Trump has made life better for so many Americans. Americans as diverse as a lobsterman from Maine, a truck driver from Ohio, a dairy farmer from Wisconsin. There's a whole host of Americans who spoke all week long that explained simply how life has gotten better for them than it was under the Obama-Biden administration. And that's the choice that Americans are going to face over these next two months, is who is going to make your life safer, more prosperous over the next four years? And the you, answer is clear. It's Donald Trump. The Democrats don't even try to give an answer because they know their answers are unpopular. So if I go to Seattle uh, and I go to the heart of Seattle, I expect to have a problem. If I go to Portland, I expect to have a problem. And now if I go to Kenosha, I expect to have a problem. But I did not think it would be this bad in Washington, D.C., where you worked. People leaving the White House yesterday were being harassed and baited. And I think their security jeopardized by these wild-ass protesters who have, who have uh, changed and transformed into rioters to the point where Jim Jordan told us this morning, a championship, three-time NCAA championship wrestler, he, ha he asked for him and his wife to go with the Kevin McCarthy security detail because he saw the, the craziness outside. Senator Rand Paul didn't get as lucky. He actually thought his life was in danger, but he sees... He sees not anarchy. He sees an organization behind this threatening behavior. Listen. My feeling is that there is interstate criminal traffic being paid for across state lines, but you won't know it unless you arrest them. Otherwise, you just think, oh, these are the, you know, some normal hoodlums from a big city. I promise you that at least some of the members and the people who attacked us were not from D.C. They flew here in a plane. They've all got fresh new clothes, and they were paid to be here. You, I mean, number one, what do you think about that? You think this is organized harassment? Well, so one, uh, I do believe that the mob violence we've seen in our streets over the last three months does have some degree of organization and funding behind it. And the Department of Justice needs to get to the bottom of it, and they need to bring charges, not just against the street hoods, but against those who are organizing and funding the violence. Um, two, 
I'm very glad that Jim and Polly and Rand and Kelly um, were able to get away from the mob without being harmed. But more importantly, not no normal Americans have Kevin McCarthy's security detail. They don't have D.C. police who recognize them and will form a phalanx around them. Where's the phalanx of police going to be in Kenosha, Wisconsin, for law-abiding citizens? Um, that's why these mobs are so dangerous. And, and no American should be mistaken to think that they're only going to be in Washington and Portland and Seattle and Chicago. I mean, this is happening in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and if it can happen there, it can happen in your community, in your town, on your street. That's why there can be zero tolerance for rioting and looting and arson, um, and the Democrats simply are unwilling to do that. Their policies are what's contributing to this mob violence, and a lot of these criminals on the street are their supporters, they are not will- Joe Biden is not willing to go out and give a full-throated condemnation of the kind of violence nope. we see on the streets because he's afraid of turning off his own supporters. Americans should have that in mind when they vote in November because Donald Trump and the Republican Party are who's going to keep you and your family safe. Joe Biden simply does not have the stomach for it. He will not do it. Well, I just think uh, on the Senate side, you have 23 seats to defend. And if you think about them getting rid of the filibuster, which basically Mitch McConnell says will happen, that means all their legislation will just go through. Whatever they present will go. Uh, Here's what Mitch McConnell wants everyone to understand, that when it comes to Washington, D.C. being a state, perhaps, when it comes to all Obamacare or Medicare for all being jammed down everyone's throat, if they hold the House and win the Senate and they get the White House, that's what America's going to look like. Cut 16. We are the firewall against Nancy Pelosi's agenda. Like President Trump, we won't be bullied by a liberal media intent on destroying America's institutions. We will stand our post on behalf of the millions of Americans whose stories aren't told in today's newspapers. So to give you America an idea of what will happen if Joe Biden gets the White House and Mitch McConnell becomes the minority leader. Yeah, Brian, um, they want to fundamentally restructure American government um, so the center-right majority of Americans can never uh, win an election again. Mitch McConnell laid out some of those. They want to give Washington, make Washington, D.C. a state. Washington, D.C. is a city. It is a federal city. It was designed to be such. It is 18 times smaller than Rhode Island, the smallest state in our union. Yet they want to make Washington, D.C. a city so the swamp can have two senator, two Democratic senators of its own. They want to eliminate the Electoral College, which we've used to elect presidents for our entire history. They want to pack the Supreme Court because they can't countenance a center-right majority on the Supreme Court. They want to pass Nancy Pelosi's crazy voting law that would mandate nationwide, universal, mail-in balloting without photo ID and without even signature verification, Brian. They want to give amnesty to 15 to 20 million illegal immigrants with near-immediate voting rights. And then that's to say nothing of the crazy policies that they would pass as well. Like if you think once they eliminate the filibuster, they're going to be satisfied with a few more background checks on firearm sales, you are whistling past the graveyard. They're going to confiscate firearms, what Kamala Harris called mandatory buybacks. That is confiscation, that if you don't go to the local police office, if you don't go to the ATF 
office in your state's capital and turn in your guns, you will be a federal criminal. This is the kind of radical agenda the Democrats tried to conceal last week at their convention, but that we exposed this week at our convention, and that will be a center question of the campaign for the next two months. It will. Uh, and that is a great thing you just helped our audience with to understand that you can't say, well, there's not much of a difference between the two. There is a huge difference between the parties and the presidential candidates. Uh, thanks so much, Senator. Great job last night. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. You got it. one 866 Every line is jammed. I'll try to get to as many as possible when we come back. We have eight days of convention. Finally, in our rearview mirror, I believe this thing is up for grabs. What about you? Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. The Democrat convention was all about Donald Trump is bad. The person, the man, he's bad. What Donald Trump laid out tonight was something much deeper. It was what will happen if the Democrats win. It's societal. It's cultural. As the president put it, he talked about uh, speech codes and cancel culture and crushing conformity. And then he talked about the violence in the cities. That's societal. That's the implications if this continues and if the Democrats stay in charge of the cities and Joe Biden wins. Uh, that is Ari Fleischer, who's been a brilliant analyst through this entire process. Here's going to make it tough. Uh, Jerry Falwell was really organizing the evangelical support. He has got himself involved in a scandal, left liberty. Number two, the NRA is a mess, uh, and they're going being uh, pursued legally by the Attorney General of New York. Pure politics. Get it. But they've been big funders and supporters of the president. So what's he going to do to help that? The other thing hurting the president is no Kellyanne Conway. She really understands the electorate and is a confidant of the president. So these things are going to hurt him. What's going to help the president, what's new, is this police support, organized police support, because the Democrats have walked away and handed it over to the president. Brian, listening in Ohio. Hey, Brian. How are you today? Good. What's on your mind? Well, uh, first of all, I'm an independent uh, federalist, and I think— uh, uh, my opinion is President Trump is absolutely correct in the way he's handling this and, and putting the responsibility on the states and the local governments to handle this. That's what our uh, our democracy, or actually our republic, is all designed for. Um, the other reason thing I'm thinking about is one reason why they're not stepping up, the Democrats aren't stepping up and condemning uh, the violence and so forth, is uh, they see a long-run game that, even, that uh, when President Trump does win, this will continue to um, hinder his uh, ability to function and uh, put a, you know, unfortunately a bad light on him and also creates a, an, a, a, a pseudo filibuster within the House of Representatives so they don't have to continue to do what they need to do for, for the country. Uh, maybe. I, I think if once this election's through and it is really hurting Joe Biden, there's no question because you don't really need to see the news to understand you have a friend in Portland and you live in in Oregon and you're saying, what's going on in Portland? And they say it's terrible. They don't go, that's got to be Trump's fault. They know it's not. 
They know that Jenny Durkin, uh, who is an absolute travesty of a leader, which he said about Seattle when she said it's going to be a summer of love. And then when you had the, the mayor of Portland come out and say, let them burn themselves out. So when you have that happening, you don't need to look at Trump. They know who's to blame. It's Democrat policies and who's leading the Democratic Party. That's why I think the forces will, will step in. And the president will be a lot, lot less handcuffed if he gets four more years to do the right thing. He knows if he oversteps, he becomes the problem. And I remember General Grant and reading Grant by Ron Chernow, he saw a lot of the racist stuff that was going on during Reconstruction. And he knew that if he acted too harshly, he would lose that state and lose the presidency and the whole country would be worse off because of it. So he held his powder dry till after the election. Then he sends in the troops to get everybody organized. Mary, listening on the Fox app in Arizona. Mary. Hello. You do talk about mail-in voting, Mary, right? Yes, I am. I think Nancy Pelosi is trying to steal the election. I think that she wants to play this out so we won't have the answers and she will become the president because that's what she's rooting for. If we have, we don't have a clear result that goes to the Speaker of the House. Mark, listening online in the villages. Mark. Hey, hey Brian, how you doing? You- um, I guess I found Hillary Clinton's stash of fireworks from 2016. Uh, secondly, the RNC hit it out of the park, man. They did a great job. They answered people's questions. Um, I think they need to do this every four years. And also, um, this is something that needs to be done. I think it, it gives a better view. Mark sounds kind of young to be in the villages, who had a big Biden rally last week. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. It's going to be a big final hour on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Chris Starwell at the bottom of the hour. Governor Chris Christie preparing to join us. The President of the United States is going to be flying to Manchester. He's going to be doing an event in uh, New Hampshire. The Vice President's going to be in Duluth, Minnesota, and then over to Traverse City, Michigan. So things are starting to look pretty aggressive for the Trump campaign. And even Joe Biden is saying he's going to do some events, perhaps in Wisconsin and Minnesota and Pennsylvania. But he's going to do it responsible. After all, we have 10 weeks to the election. It shows me this thing is tightening up or else he would stay right in his basement. Because when he's unscripted, it is a train wreck ready to hit another train. So before we get to Governor Chris Christie, here are the big three things you need to know. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. And now after a moment of silence that lasted 42 seconds, the Mets are exiting the field after a poignant moment that the Mets and Marlins will not be playing baseball tonight. And a Black Lives Matter shirt left on top of home plate. The sports pause. The message from baseball, soccer, basketball uh, in the sh- is the shooting of J- uh, Jacob Blake in Kenosha cannot stand. It's too much to handle. Race and law enforcement intolerable right now. So they just didn't play. Is this laudable or deplorable? I'll give you my opinion. Number two. The Republican convention is designed for one purpose. To soothe Donald Trump's ego. 
He's the president of the United States, mm. and it's not supposed to be about him. Right. You don't want it to be about your reelection when it's about you. Dems in their press corps respond to President's speech and his attacks on their candidate, Joe Biden. Oddly, when it comes to attacking back, it was Joe's running mate who took to the mic. Why is that? Number one. My fellow Americans, tonight with a heart full of gratitude and boundless optimism, I profoundly accept this nomination for President of the United States. And the between 1,000 and 2,000 size crowd roared, yes, in this pandemic season. RNC wraps up in majestic fashion on the South Lawn of the White House. Four stunningly successful, effective days uh, for the Republicans as they sold their cause, their accomplishments, and their president. Will it resonate with independents, undecided, and suburban women? Let's see if the president can build on this with 10 weeks to go. Uh, joining us now is Governor Chris Christie. Governor, I'll give it away. I saw what you said last night. You were roughly pleased with the president's speech, correct? I was. I was. I thought he drew uh, the best thing he did last night, uh, Brian, was draw a very stark contrast on the issues between he and Joe Biden. I've been saying all along, attacking Joe Biden personally um, is not going to work because the American people don't dislike Joe Biden personally like they disliked Hillary Clinton. But they are going to be very scared of Joe Biden's policies. And so what we need to do is draw that contrast. I think the president did that very well last night. What I like, too, is it's easy to have people that I like him. Uh, He's a good guy. I'm going to vote for him. But what I saw for the last four days I don't remember seeing before is people like loggers, like lobstermen, ranchers, farmers who were clearly not professional, did a great job expressing their cause, whether it was a reformed criminal at Alice Johnson, got a second chance. And then you have the family of hostages who the president tried to get back in Kayla Muir, and it didn't work, but he cared. So this is selling your case. It's not a 30-second ad with a great voiceover. It is, this is how he's helped. I wasn't expecting that, and I thought it was very effective. But you know politics. What do you think? No, listen, I think it was the right thing to do, especially after the Democratic convention, which was pretty heavy with elected officials and politicians. And, and I think that the, you know, the, the fewer of those in this convention, the better. Um, and I think putting real people out there who have been positively affected by the uh, policies and the actions of the president um, are, were the best validators you could have, much better than any of the elected officials who spoke during the week. Uh, you know, I think the, the best elected official during the week um, was Tim Scott on the first night. After that, I don't think there was really anything all that spectacular until we got to the president on, uh, on uh, last night. I also thought it was interesting to see Herschel Walker say, I've known him for 37 years. I'm personally insulted when you call him a racist. Why would I be friends with a racist? I thought, excuse me, poke holes in that statement because the Joe Biden was living off Charlottesville. He says the reason he got in the race. When if you analyze Charlottesville and the president's done a terrible job defending it, he was saying people that stood up for stood up for the Confederate statues weren't bad people. He was not pro-Nazi or skinhead. But I thought that I thought when Herschel Walker said that, that was an effective counter. Well, it absolutely is because it's someone who's both worked for him as a running back for the New Jersey Generals when uh, Donald Trump owned the team. And then also somebody who's remained his friend 
for all these years. I think that combination is what made it powerful. Just an employee, maybe that would make a difference. Just a friend, maybe that would make a difference. But the two combined, Herschel Walker didn't have to stay friends for 37 years with Donald Trump, and he did. And I've said to people all along, I've known the president now nearly for 20 years, and I just don't buy this idea that he's a racist. You're very you're in a lonely opinion there on the ABC set when you say that. You realize that. I understand I'm a unicorn. It's okay. I can live with it. I understand, too. Um, here is Rudy Giuliani on what he says will be taking root in our inner cities if Biden's elected. Cut 15. In 2013, my city elected a self-described progressive Democrat as mayor. New York City, once described as America's crime capital, had become, by the mid-1990s, America's safest large city. Now today, my city is in shock. Murders, shootings, and violent crime are increasing at percentages unheard of in the past. We're seeing the return of rioting and looting. And he went on, and he said this is going to happen. It's not a hard sell when you see Portland, Chicago, now Kenosha, uh, and uh, Seattle, is it? No, and, and Brian, let me give you a real-life example for me from last night. I left the ABC studios last night on West 66th Street at about 1 a.m., and I had to walk over to West 66th Street um, to pick up my to, to get my car out of the garage. Um, there was a there was a, a gentleman who was walking down 66th Street in front of me, about 10 yards in front of me. He walked up to a tree, dropped his pants in the middle of the, of the sidewalk, and started to urinate on the tree. This is what the quality of life is now on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Um, you know, that never happened in the Giuliani or the Bloomberg years. Um, and since Bill de Blasio came in, the city's had more crime, more homeless, more poverty, and then something like this, where someone felt absolutely free to drop their pants in the middle of the sidewalk and to urinate on a tree. Um, it's just outlandish. And, you know, I think that these, a lot of these mayors in these big cities like New York, like Portland, like Chicago— um, have just allowed the quality of life in those cities to go completely down the tubes. And I don't think um, you know, these, these mayors will get any resistance to that kind of conduct if Joe Biden's in the White House. So Joe Biden parried back and said, this is Trump's, this is Trump's uh, America. It's not my America. This happened on his watch. What's your answer to that? The answer to that is um, when the, if, the, if these cities would allow the president to send National Guard in when this rioting and looting is going on. The president has shown his willingness to do that um, and completely straighten out the situations. But he shouldn't have to. Uh, they have sufficient law enforcement, if they're allowed to utilize them in an appropriate way, to be able to bring these things under control. The reason we know that is we saw it happen in New York City under, under Rudy and under Mike Bloomberg. Um, we saw it happen in number of major cities across the country. By the way, under Democrats, too, I don't think this is necessarily a partisan issue, um, Brian. At least it didn't used to be. Um, it was, it's about effectiveness. And the ineffectiveness 
of a number of these mayors and the governors. Listen, the governor of Minnesota, in my mind, should have been removed from office, given what he did in the and what he didn't do in the aftermath of the George Floyd killing. And I think he allowed this ball to start rolling down the hill in a significant way. Um, governors and mayors have to be held responsible. This president is much more likely to hold them responsible for failing to enforce the law in their cities than Joe Biden would be. So let's take a look at the next 10 weeks. We, uh, do you believe, I, I believe that just reading, and I'm sure you're a big fan of uh, this show, so you listen to the first hour. Um, so I believe that the fact that Joe Biden's pledging to come out after Labor Day and that we saw him yesterday and Kamala Harris yesterday, after not doing anything all week, they're beginning to see their internals tightening and this race is getting close. Do you agree with that assessment? I, I do, and I will tell you why. Because this week, for the first time in a long time, the Republicans focused on what they want to do for the next four years versus what the Democrats want to do. I've been saying this, Brian, for the last two months. The, the only way to get Joe Biden out of his basement is not to call him Sleepy Joe and not to insult him personally, but to say, here's what we think America should look like for the next four years, and here's what they want to do. $4 trillion tax increase, Green New Deal, uh, Medicare for all, uh, you know, defund the police, uh, you know, versus what we want to do, which is to, you know, give incentives to bring manufacturing back to the United States, stand up to China and the abuses that they're doing, not only in Hong Kong and in their own country, but around the world. Right. To be able to, you know, make health care more affordable for people telehealth expansion, which this president has done. You know, talk about the things you want to do in the next four years. We've started to do that, and that's why the race is tightening. Sum it up, Brian. If this race is a race for who's going to be senior class president, Joe Biden is going to win that popularity contest. If this is about who's going to put the policies forward that will make America safer, more prosperous, um, then I think Donald Trump will win the election. A couple of things. Is the not having the NRA up and running full steam this time as opposed to last time going to hurt the president substantially? Could you repeat that, Brian? I'm sorry. You just broke up there for a second. Okay. You're not, you're not ducking the question because I do ask tough questions. Okay, good. No. Uh, fire away. All right. Here you go. The NRA, being that it's in disarray yeah. right now, how much, does that, if at all, does that hurt the president? I don't, think it, I don't think it does, Brian, because I think that the members of the NRA know that the president has been a strong, common-sense supporter of the Second Amendment, and I think those folks are already motivated to turn out. So I don't think that that will be an impact on the president because the members of the NRA will be out there voting and supporting the president. Governor, there's something else uh, that's happening. There's a lot of Republicans are not on board. That Lincoln Project, not on board. 70 other former Bush and Reagan officials, not on board on the Republican side. Uh, first off, do you think that affects it? Uh, what do you, I mean, some of those people you probably are friendly with, why are you staying on board? Why are they leaving? And does it hurt the president that they're leaving? Because I care more about the policies than I care about the personality. And when you, when you look at what those folks' objection is to President Trump, it is essentially persona, personality-based. Now, I don't always agree with everything the president says or does, and I wish that he would you know, uh, edit the Twitter feed a little, uh, a little better than what he does. And I think at times that has been a divisive in the country. And at times, you know, I know, and I've heard him say it in interviews, 
that, you know, he, he regrets some of those things that he's done on the Twitter feed. But um, the difference to me between the policies that Donald Trump will pursue, yeah. the policies that Democrats will pursue are so profound that even if you have some misgivings about the way the president at times conducts himself, you, you have to support the president. And so I don't think that these Republicans will cause a big difference. Here's the Republicans we need to worry about. The ones who um, four years ago voted for the president, and these are essentially suburban women and some college-educated suburban men as well, who voted to give him a chance four years ago, but are very upset about his persona. And I think that's why we have to make this election about the issues and not about personalities. If we do, I still think we have a chance to win those people back. If we don't, we make it easy for them to vote for Joe Biden. A little bit about the Met game last night. Let's go cut 39. This is unprecedented and um, you know, I think it's I think it's for for the good of you know inspiring change and and, and making the world a better place. Uh, we hope so. Um, I think there's a lot of work to be done, but um, you know, at what least people, what, what people don't understand, like this is way bigger than baseball. You know, this is life. This is humanity. Michael Conforto and Dominic Smith talking about why they walked off the field and didn't play the Marlins last night. Did they make the right move? I think they might made the right move to support their teammate. Uh, if you saw Dom Smith's comments the night before, very emotional. Um, they were they're very emotional and genuine. And if you know Dom Smith, um, he is generally a very happy, upbeat, um, optimistic guy. And so for him to make those comments, I think what the Mets players were saying yesterday was, if our teammate, who we really love and care about, um, feels that strongly about it. We'll stand with him tonight. I think they'll be back this afternoon at 4 o'clock playing a doubleheader against the Yankees. They made a statement to support their teammate. And listen, when you are a leader uh, like Michael Conforto is of that team, um, I think you stand by your teammates if you believe that what they're asking for comes from the heart and is genuine and important to them. I think the Mets did the right thing last night as players supporting a teammate. Right. Uh, we'll see if it happens. If I paid for a ticket to that game and I'm sitting there in those stands and they walk off the field, I think it's a totally different sentiment. Um, I know oh, we're in an well, odd time, but how do you feel about that? Well, listen, I think it would be much different if there were fans there. Um, since we're, we're now working with just cardboard cutouts, um, <laughs> there was nobody who was going to get hurt. And, and let me say this, Brian, about the bigger issue. And I think this is the way Republicans should be discussing this. I, I spent seven years of my career in law enforcement as the U.S. attorney. I'm as big a supporter of law enforcement as anybody on the political scene. But we do have to acknowledge that there are ways that gotcha. we can reform inner city policing. And, and we should do and it. We- um, and that's not defunding the police, Brian. That's I, hear you, I hear you, Governor. It. Unfortunately, I'm up against a break, but I okay. hear you. We to, we'll pick that up next time. Governor Chris Christie, thanks so much. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Wayne, listen, WNIS in Virginia Beach. Hey, Wayne. Morning, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. What's in your mind? Mail-in voting? Mail-in voting. Um, 
Uh, I'll get to my story in just a second. It's got to be real quick. I'm up against a break. Okay. Uh, Talked to a friend of mine that lives in Florida. He left Virginia two years ago, became a resident down there. We were talking about mail-in voting this morning, and he said, it's funny you mentioned that. The state of Virginia sent me a mail-in ballot. He said, I haven't been a resident in Virginia for two years. Wow. So he was wondering, you know— you know, where do they, what are they doing? Do people uh, make a pit stop in Virginia or something? And, and this, go- and this governor, it's amazing, Wayne, because your governor's terrible. He should not even have that job. And now he's making attacking a cop. Now it's going to be knocked into a misdemeanor. A misdemeanor instead of a felony for beating up a cop. Incredible. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Back in a moment. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. Radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. I have said it before, and I will say it again. He is one of the most loyal human beings I have ever met. The man has unstoppable energy. No one, and I mean no one, is going to outwork this guy. But most importantly... He truly loves and believes in our country. He believes in the people of this country. America is a place everyone wants a solid job. They want to take care of their family. They want to support the community, assist the less fortunate, and enjoy the freedom this country has provided to all of us. While we have certainly experienced a ton of negativity in 2020, President Trump's mindset is to work tirelessly to find solutions to problems and help restore America. He did it once, and I'm telling you right now, he will do it again. And that's Dana White firmly getting in the president's corner, and he was one of the he was the first sport to come back after the pandemic. And he said that to me before. He says, listen, the president and I talk all the time. Uh, and he is a self-made success story, as Dana White. Uh, Chris Starwalt, also a self-made success. No one put a silver spoon in his mouth. He's a political editor for Fox News. He writes the Fox News halftime report, not because he got there because of his parents. He got there because he's smart. Hey, Chris. They put some peanut butter on the spoon. I might have gone for it. I don't know. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. The spoon is just dry. Then who wants that? That's, that's no good. Good point. Are you on speakerphone? Uh, I'm on my Bluetooth. Let me try. Let's see about this. How do you like me now? I do. Better. I like you much better now. So Dana White oh, is okay, just good. part of the like so-called wide swath of people that really support the president after three and a half years. What do you think of the array of people that were up there, from lobstermen to ranchers to farmers uh, to loggers? Well, you know, one of the I thought that all of the the regular folks that the Republicans included uh, that was a great idea. I thought it worked really well. Particularly affecting last night was the woman from. Not surprisingly, uh, all important Wisconsin, uh, who talked about how the president's tariffs uh, improved uh, her chances against uh, Chinese competition. And she was great. She was totally believable. Um, and In fact, you know what? Those- it's a great point. Here's Debbie Flood, cut seven. He actually fought for American workers and American craftsmen. He actually cared about bringing back those three beautiful words made in America. We no longer had to succeed despite government. Now the government was on our side. We enjoyed a thriving economy stimulated by President Trump's pro-business and pro-worker policies. Thanks to the Trump tax cuts, 
I've been able to raise my employees' wages. And that is was the goal. And, and so I thought that I thought those testimonials were great. Um, and I thought that, you know, one of the central aims, uh, I think the Republicans can be happy about a couple of things. One is the goal of every convention is to get the team back together, give everybody their talking points, psych them up, and then send them out to go do the work, right? It's like when you get the benediction at church and they send you out and they say, okay, now go do it. And so they got that, right? The Republicans got a big shot in the arm after what has been a very bad year for their party. They got a, a, a solid week good where it was well executed, where, where the production values were good, where and the message was very fired up, ready to go. So I think they got that part. But the other thing that they got was I think Republicans very successfully rebutted Democrats on one of the central claims that they make. As a matter of fact, what Joe Biden says is the reason that he ran for is running for president is that Donald Trump's a bigot. So they had night after night after night emphasizing Trump being racially cool, that he we have non-white immigrants from around the world being naturalized. We have pardons. We have talk about sentencing reform. We talk about all of this stuff with a strong message of Trump is racially cool. Trump is not a bigot and trying to rebut Democrats. So I think on those two fronts, the speakers, the collection of speakers that Republicans put together did a very good job. So the speech, Chris Wallace was lukewarm on. It went a minute, it went over an hour, and it hit a bunch of things, including an agenda, but it also hooked up, looked up at accomplishments, went after Joe Biden. What about you, Chris? How do you rate the speech? Man, that needed an editor. That, you know, that was too much. And uh, it was also a little low energy. So you have this, um, you have this amazingly, probably, overdone setting, right? One million flags, fireworks at the Washington Monument, all of this stuff, and the White House itself. You, you, have, you have taken it all to create the maximal setting. And I don't think that was Trump at his best by any stretch. And I think part of the reason he was not at his best was the speech was a jumble. It needed somebody to go through. They, you know, Trump needs a speechwriter, and he needs a speechwriter that can work with him and go through. When he gives these teleprompter speeches, they have to be his because the way Trump plays the teleprompter when he's normally giving remarks is like, this is what they want me to say. Yeah. And we think about the, the rallies that he does. This is what the nerds want me to say, but I'm going to tell you the real stuff And he go, when he goes off script, and that's what they love, and that's what he loves. That's what he enjoys. In order to deliver good speeches, he needs a speechwriter that can work with him to produce speeches in his own voice that he can read with gusto. That speech was twice as long as it should have been. That should have been a 30-minute speech. It should have been concise, and it should have left the people and they're like, this guy is fired up. We're ready to go out into the world to tell everybody how great our guy is. I agree. Uh, I agree. And the thing is, uh, he should have the synergy. The first time around, the first year, I would say it's a problem. Who knows to speak up? Maybe they're a little intimidated. But at this point, especially after he heard all the other speeches, a lot of this stuff has already been done and said about him. He didn't need to repeat it. But I think he, right. I like the fact that he showed the discipline to read the speech because he's going to need discipline in the next 10 weeks like he had four, three years ago if he's going to win. Do you believe, like I believe, that the reason why Joe Biden's coming out of his basement after Labor Day is because the race is tightened and he has no choice? Um, I think he is coming out because his campaign – there's no no way you could have any reliable polling right now. You can't poll during 
conventions. We won't know really anything until next week. Um, but and it's also just tough to pull in August, frankly, because people are not home and they're traveling and all that stuff. So we'll start to see the race really come into focus uh, around Labor Day. But Joe Biden is being propelled out of his basement by the fact that Democrats now recognize that the unrest, there's a, a very good piece from George Packer in The Atlantic today that talks about how Joe Biden can lose. And the way that Joe Biden can lose is to seem out of touch and out of touch when it comes to the unrest in America's cities. I'm in Washington today. There is a major demonstration that is planned today uh, in commemoration of the anniversary of the March on Washington uh, with, by Dr. King. Um, and but there is concern in Washington today that as this as, as the weekend goes on, that we could see unrest. The you know, we talk a lot about in politics, Bill Clinton's sister soldier moment where he told an African-American audience that the cop killer lyrics that the, you know, uh, the moral majority folks were complaining about were bad news and that that uh, rappers who do that, in this case, Sister Soldier, uh, were not helping and, and should stop. And Biden needs that moment with these protesters. Uh, well, not with the protesters, with the rioters and the people who are doing this stuff, which is to speak out in a forceful way about it. And it's a risk uh, because it will potentially alienate African-American support. But I think before, before too much longer goes by, Biden has to not be a bystander here. He has to step out and say, nope, this is wrong. And, I, and it's, he has denounced it. He has said it's wrong. He has said those things. But he needs to say it in a way that takes him out of his political comfort zone in order to quiet the concerns among more affluent voters who say, geez, this seems like it's never going to end. Exactly. And he's got to and he's got to not read in the prompter, say it. So Nancy Pelosi does very little without calculation, which made this for me noteworthy. Cut 34. Why I said he shouldn't debate him has nothing to do with Joe Biden. Joe Biden uh, will be great. as, as He is great as a debater. What it is is about how totally uh, inappropriate, if that's the word, that's the nicest word I can think of, the president <laughs> is. I mean, he has no even slight flirtation with truth, fact, evidence, data. And she said earlier, I don't think they should debate. I wouldn't legitimize the conversation with him. Really? That's nice of her. You don't want to legitimize conversation with the president of the United States. So continue did to put down the say, 60 million they voted for him. Did you just say you don't think Nancy Pelosi's good at calculation? No, I said she doesn't do anything without calculation. Oh, OK. I was going to say, because I got some stories to tell you. Yeah, yeah you're 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 right about that. Um, the I think what Democrats are trying to do here is further intensify the expectations gap for Biden and Trump. So the expectations for Biden are already rock bottom in the debates. Republicans tell us every day Joe Biden is a drooling idiot and he is not in command of his faculties and Donald Trump is going to mop the floor with him at the debates. And that's good for Biden, um, who is not a great debater. Um, and that's definitely good for Biden. And then Pelosi is saying, and Trump, when he does these debates, just lies and says, so don't even listen to Trump. Is, Trump is this master manipulator uh, who does all of this stuff. 
which I think gives Trump, which is on the one hand uh, a, a, a dig on Trump, but on the other hand gives him somewhat too much credit. Donald Trump is not the world's greatest debater. He's unorthodox, and that's that what throws people. That's right. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's going to be very interesting now that instead of saying, in theory, this is what I think, he's going to say, no, no, I, he actually was there. So when you do this about Japan or you let China, no, he was there. So he has the answer. We know he has the answers because he lived it. So it's going to be very hard to stump Trump. So he's got to be ready to challenge Joe Biden and have facts to back that up. I think that'll be his greatest challenge. But we'll get, when we get closer, it's 32 days away, we'll, we'll discuss it. But I just think there's a lot of experts in the media who have a gut feeling that debates aren't going to take place. And a time in which I expect nothing to be traditional, Chris Dyerwalt, here in August, what are the odds you believe that there will not be debates? Uh, 3%, 4%. Good. These debates are going to take place. They're going to take place because neither candidate can afford for them not to, right? Neither, Neither, if it were really in the interests of Joe Biden, to not have these debates or to walk away from these debates, he would. And if it were really in Trump's interest to do so. Now, the, the radical here is the free radical that we don't know the, how will it affect the final equation. So let's say the uh, Commission on Presidential Debates comes out with a, with a list of moderators that is substantially as it was four years ago. Um, and if Trump says these are fake news, I won't, I won't, I won't debate with Chris Wallace. Uh, if if they do that, then that's where my five percent comes in. That maybe Trump uh, flakes out because he says he won't do it with these moderators. I suspect he'll just complain about the moderators and then do it anyway. I think so too. There's too much at stake. Uh, they people point out that Nixon didn't debate uh, uh, in in 1968. I believe he did not debate, and I don't know if he debated in '72. And the, the, they say the, that Eisenhower didn't debate. I guess no, no, there were no debates before uh, Kennedy, right? The, well, debates. So here, here's here's a, a better way to think about it. Since 1980, because Jimmy Carter tried to avoid debating Ronald Reagan, since 1980 we have had a standard, and we created we created the Commission on Presidential Debates because yes, incumbents traditionally or whoever was ahead didn't want to debate, and in 1980 we only got one debate. Now that was all Reagan needed in 1980. But since 1980, we've created this convention to make sure that voters get a few looks at these guys, right? So that you get a, because one's not quite enough, because as Mitt Romney showed in uh, 2012, one debate, if you had asked after the first debate, hey, this guy's really crushing him, then Obama comes back in the subsequent two. So that's the standard is those three debates, and that's what it's been since 1980. You could go back to any point in history prior to 1980 and find a lot of examples of debates not taking place. Because the presidential elections were conducted in different, very different ways. You have to remember, prior to the 1950s, the candidates didn't even go to their conventions, right? They didn't appear at their own conventions because it would have been unseemly. So things were very different back then. But the post-1980 standard is clear. Commission on Presidential Debates is clear. And I think they'll succeed again. He is uh, Chris Tarwell. Thanks so much, Chris. It's going to be an exciting 32 days. Enjoy the day off. Woo! Go get him. 1-866-408-7669. one 408 Back to finish up with your calls in just a moment. Brian Kilmeade Show. Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
Hey, by the way, if you need any of my books, you want them signed, you go to BrianKilme.com. It goes to my local bookstore. I'm able to personalize them for any holiday coming up. I'm not sure if Labor Day is a holiday you give gifts, but if it is, it might be a good idea. The latest one is Sam Houston and the Alamo Avengers. Uh, Cindy, listen, KWFS in Texas. Hey, Cindy. Hi, Brian. I just heard you talking earlier about the suburban women. Yes. And I just want to tell you, I... Oklahoma is my home, but I've lived in Texas for almost 20 years. I do not know one friend, one person that is leaving Trump, not one suburban woman, and we're all college educated. So I just wanted to put that out there and say I almost feel like it's a talking point. Yeah, well, listen, I think this he went out of his way to talk about how many women around him he put into powerful positions because they earned it. So if anyone thinks that he's anti-woman or anti-equal uh, opportunity— I think you got a counterpoint, to say the least, this weekend. So, Cindy, I appreciate the personal anecdotes. The numbers say he's losing it to Biden, not necessarily shedding it himself. Mike in Glendora, California. Mike. Hi, Brian. This is about the double. This is about a double bait and switch that's taking place. First of all, nobody thinks Biden is going to last six six months uh, past the election if he gets there. So the first switch is going to be. Kamala Harris taking taking over for him, but nobody's asking what's going to happen with her and her and her selection for a VP. Is she going to go way left? Which of course she will. Will she go with Abrams? Will she go with Warren? And you know the the Dems they love to have firsts. You know, so it's going to be like, hey, the first all black ticket. Uh, you know, black woman, black. Uh, Meanwhile, she didn't VP. earn anything. She was a terrible candidate. Well, of course. But, but of course, you know, this is the, the double bait and switch. Nobody's asking um, Kamala Harris who, who she would nominate as a VP in case Biden can't fill it out. So, you know, they're going to go with all black. They're going to go with all women. Uh, you know, first, you know, black president and or woman president and VP. Or is it going to be the two Indian women? She's got Indian in her. And so does Kamala Harris. I mean, uh, Warren. So what is it? You know, nobody's asking Kamala <laughs> that's Harris. Different what, Indian. what is she going to do? Uh, that's that's, that's going to sway the ticket. And that's the double bait and switch. All right. Well, listen, uh, it could be the double bait and switch, but I could see him not running for election if Biden wins. I'm not sure that there's a grand plan. I'm sure the plan is for him to go four years. I am not one into conspiracy. I don't think this whole setup, mail-in voting, is to put Nancy Pelosi in power. But it's all a scenario that could happen, Mike. What you're saying is not that it can't happen, uh, but I just don't think it's planned. Heidi, listening in Orlando. Heidi. Hey, Brian. I am so excited to be on your show. I love your success, and I'm right next to that beloved NBA bubble. Can you see my eyes roll on the radio? <laughs> um, <laughs> I also want to say, next time I call, just if Mr. Steyerwalt would respectfully yield his time to me, because I have so much to say. All right. Next time, I'm going to put Heidi on with Chris. Is that okay? <laughs> yes. All right. Now, Heidi, you're coming on. We'll book her for next Friday, Pete. Heidi, you're booked. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.